Today, I'm super excited to kind of wrap up our uh, session on economics that we've been having over this last few weeks and uh, bring back a tool that you guys have asked for. And that is this six ratio spreadsheet. Uh, so it's something that we talked about several weeks ago. Um, it was in Doug's session that he kicked off the season with. He talked about how he uses these ratios when he's looking at churches. If you wanted to ever rewatch that, you can, um, there, in every email you get from us about the weekly call at the bottom is a link to all of the replays. So feel free to click on that and check out that past call that's on there if, if you ever want to uh, reference that or any calls that we have that you want to replay. But um, maybe, Doug, if I could just ask you to give a quick few-minute recap on what the six ratios are, how, how they could benefit a church to be able to be using them and aware of what their numbers are. And then we're going to ask Jim, our expert spreadsheet guy, to uh, help walk you through this spreadsheet I have put a link to the spreadsheet in the chat so you can download that spreadsheet. If you're having trouble with it, text me or chat with me uh, during this time and I can help you get it, get it going. Uh, but I will pass it over to Doug and we'll get going. Great. Thanks, Renee. You know, um, just kind of looking back over my almost 30 years in this industry, always, we've always used this spreadsheet really to, uh, look at how to qualify churches for a loan, how to underwrite them correctly. Um, and it's, it's now a tool that can be used for all of you all the time. Uh, it's something that can be a, a benefit to uh, your leadership team, to your elder team, uh, where instead of a financial report that maybe takes 30 or 45 minutes at an elders meeting, you can get used to showing them this spreadsheet that just shows the ratios, um, allows them to fully understand the financial health of the church a lot better. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about this because it's something that we should have done a long time ago. And now we're going to make this uh, free to everybody, uh, all of this data. And uh, we've asked Jim Onimus to do this. And um, for many of you, you may know Jim, you may not. Uh, but uh, he's probably one of the top underwriters, in my opinion, in this industry. Uh, we work together at CDF. Uh, he's been on board with us now for a couple of years at Solomon and really just taken our underwriting process to a new level. Uh, and so he's going to put up the spreadsheet and kind of give you the tutorial on it. Um, and I think this is going to be a great tool for you guys and your churches. So I, rather than me going through the ratios, I know Jim's going to go through them on the spreadsheet. So Jim, uh, it's all yours. Well, thank you, Doug. Um, hopefully everybody can see that on the screen. Uh, can somebody confirm you can see the spreadsheet? Got a thumbs up? Okay. So uh, if you're following along on your own version that you downloaded, uh, great. It's going to look the same as this one. Uh, it's kind of pre-filled. Um, but we'll go through a little housekeeping up at the top. Uh, you're going to notice uh, highlighted in yellow, just the data that you're going to enter into this is in the blue field. So try to make it kind of simple to understand the blue fields are where you're going to put data in. Anything that's background is green is, is calculating. 
So there's a formula in there. If you type over it, you're going to want to back arrow in and undo your type over. Um, you might want to even save a backup of the seat somewhere else in case you accidentally <laughs> type over and mess something up. You can go back to your backup. But um, we pre-filled it with uh, some information that will return some information that kind of is indicative of a church uh, that might actually have a loan. So up at the top, it's annual debt service. Um, what that means, I, I put a little definition off to the right there, but uh, your annual debt service is that whatever your interest and principal payment would be monthly times 12 in essence. So it's, it's how much of your annual budget is going to pay your mortgage. Um, we use round numbers, you're going to notice on this, rather than cluttering it with a lot of numbers. I'd encourage you to put uh, as precise the numbers as you can uh, into the spreadsheet rather than rounding it off if you're trying to do it for yourself. But um, in the on that top line, so if you follow it across, you don't have to fill in every column. You can go all the way back to 2018 if you want to. Um, it's just going to calculate data for that column. So if you don't put something up top in that column, you're just not going to get anything down below. Um, um, so you can you can do as much or as little of this as you wanted, but annual debt service goes on that top line. Off to the right, you're going to see a little box with just a number two in it for right now. Um, that's where you're going to put, if you're using current year information, you're going to put the completed number of months for that year in that box. So since we're in March, um, if you were to fill this out for fiscal year to date 23 and your fiscal year starts January 1st, you would have two completed months. But you'd only put data in there for January and February year to date. The sheet works best if you're not trying to enter mid-month data, if that makes sense. Um, uh, the idea being it's trying to project your income and expenses per month, and it can't do that if it's mid-month because it, it, it doesn't know what you paid or not paid uh, through, that per, through that point. So it's going to project incorrectly. Um, so that, hopefully that makes sense. Is everybody, somebody give me a thumbs up. Everybody following along. I'm not going too fast. Anybody? Good deal. Okay. I just want to make sure my pace is good. Total income, which is the next line down, uh, line eight, total income is going to be what you think it is. It's all the income that you took in for the year. Um, if you want to exclude something because it's especially earmarked and it doesn't factor into your normal financials, you track it on a separate sheet, you can do that. But we'd advise you put all income uh, into the total income line. And then right below it, all expenses in the total expense line. So it's going to give you a ratio of income to expenses. Um, you're going to notice that what we're really looking for there is 100% um, or better is, is ideally what you're looking for. Um, you want to have a break-even budget. We do understand that for churches, they're not like uh, for-profit businesses and that they're not trying to um, amass a big surplus. You don't have uh, stockholders to pay or anything like that. Um, you're very likely you're going to spend every dollar uh, that comes in. And if you had a surplus in the prior year, but not this year, you might, you might see a little bit of a teeter-totter. One year you have a surplus, next year you have a little bit of a deficit because you spent the surplus from the prior year after the year end. So that's pretty typical, you know, to see you're hovering right around the 100% mark, but sometimes dipping a little below and a little, little over. That's a pretty typical thing. So um, total debt would be the balance on your loan, on your mortgage loan. So whatever the balance is on your um, 
current balance. Usually we would we would usually put a balance in there at the start of the year, whatever your year end balance was, is probably what you're going to carry across there. Although you could look it up to the day if you wanted to and enter in your total debt. Um, and if you have more than one loan, add them together, you know, uh, put, and, and put them in that field. The average weekly attendance would be um, your adults and, and kids, you know, men, women, children that attend on a Sunday morning. You know, um, some folks like to try to factor in a ratio for online attendees as well. We usually are just putting in the folks that are uh, solely on campus. That's kind of what we've been using so far. It's been a little tricky with COVID. Um, you will notice what I call the COVID bounce, where your attendance dips and then bounces back up again. Um, looks like you had a decline and, and you suddenly grew, and we know that's probably not the case. Um, but it's really tricky to get an accurate online account, uh, online attendance sometimes because so many people hit the page and leave. So um, it works best, in my opinion, if you just use on-site attendance. Uh, Doug, you can agree or disagree with me on that one. Um, I think that's preference, but um, that's kind of where I fall on it, if you were to ask me. Um, the weekly giving column, the next one we're on line 16 now, is green out. You don't enter anything in there. It's actually, if you look in there, there's a formula. It's pretty simple. It's just going to take the total income and divide it by 50, 52 weeks. So it's calculating a weekly income level for you is, is basically all it's doing. Um, we know that income doesn't come in equally 50, you know, equal 52 amounts throughout the year. It's just easier for your brain to handle it if you see one number for, for weekly giving, kind of easier to wrap your head around. Um, estimated property value is, is exactly what it says. If you've had an appraisal on the property, put that dollar amount in there. Um, if you've had an appraisal, but you've done some improvements, you could put the appraisal amount and add, you know, 80 or 90% of the improvement amount to it to come up with a, a, an estimated property value. Uh, if you just have a ballpark guess of what your property's worth, put that in there. Um, better the value, the, you know, obviously the better the ratio it's going to return to you for loan to value. But um, again, it's, it doesn't have to be precise. Uh, it's just kind of giving you an idea. If you have equity in your property is the idea. And then full-time equivalent employees, we generally look at Two half-time employees as a full-time employee, um, and then a full-time employee would be one, right? So if you had one full-time employee and two half-time employees, we tell you to put two in that field. So kind of there's two full-time equivalent employees. Um, you, if you feel like your employees only are like third time, then you can do a three-to-one ratio if you want for for part-time employees to full-time. It's really up to you. Um, However, you best want to, to hash it out. But the idea behind that one is it's going to give you uh, a percentage down below. We'll go through what the numbers mean, but it's going to return to you a full-time equivalency number based on your attendance. That will kind of help you understand if you're, uh, from a straight math perspective, if you're overstaffed or not. And remember, it's just a straight math perspective. It, it doesn't know your specific circumstances, which uh, are highly influential on uh, whether or not you really are overstaffed. Um, so I'll put a pin in that and ask any questions so far on how we enter data in there. Anybody question the field or not understand it? I have a question. Um, how would this relate to one of the churches who 
has um, done the gift leaseback where you're completely debt free, what would you like use in some of those categories or how would you approach this? So for someone who was, was debt free, you wouldn't have, uh, I mean, you may not have existing debt right now. Um, you can, the total debt field would be, uh, if you don't have existing debt, you're trying to get an idea of what you can afford, you're going to put a number in there and, and you're going to start looking at the ratios to see what you can afford. So um, if you look down kind of at the 50, 30, 10, 10 rule, we'll get more into that. And I'll probably let Doug will probably want to speak to that a little bit more. But the idea being, if you look at that, 30% of your budget would be the facility expenses, which would include debt service. Um, that's going to help I would... Yeah, it also you could also stick in what your rent payment is on an annual basis. Right. Under 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 debt service, you would put yeah. in your rent payment. Under total debt, you might have a you might not have a dollar amount in there. Um, the total debt amount is is gonna kind of give you an idea. I'll tell you why that's there. It's gonna it's gonna factor into the debt per attendee and the loan to value when it's trying to calculate equity in the property. So you don't have to fill it out um, if you don't have debt. Um, if you're looking to borrow something, it'll kind of give you an idea of, of uh, what you can afford. When you start to populate that with numbers, it's going to spit ratios back to you. It'll give you an and fill out those pie charts, if you will, kind of give you an idea of uh, of what your budget would look like if you had that debt. Does that make sense? Did yep. we answer your question, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? It's okay to ask questions. It's all it's all good. Okay, good. We won't, we won't camp out there. So down below is actually, it's all calculated. Now you look down below and it's all green because this is where all the calculations are going to go. So if you kind of follow along, I'll, I'll try not to bore you with it. You know, just get yourself a really big, uh, you know, cup of coffee there, take a big sip. Um, the first one, debt service to income, is just going to take that very top line, that debt service number, and divide it by the total income. So by putting in 400000 uh, I'm going to look at... Uh, all the way to the left is the easiest number for me to look at. If you look at fiscal year 2018, you're going to see annual debt service of 400,000, um, total income of 1 million. That's 40%. Kind of easy to understand where it's calculating debt service to income. The debt service as a percentage of the total income is 40%. Um, if you took in income of a million and you had a million in expenses, it's a wash, right? It's 100%. So your expense coverage would be 100%. So your income covers 100% of your expenses. If the income was a little bit higher, so like if you type in 1.1 up here, if I type in like 1,100,000 in here, you're going to see that the expense coverage jumps to 110% because now you have an extra 10% left over. That's a surplus. Likewise, if you only took in, say, 950000 you'd be at an expense coverage of 95%. You'd be a little under. You'd be in the red 5%. And like I said, it's not uncommon for you to tip over and under on those um, from year to year. The total debt, again, if I take this number out, kind of going back to your question, uh, uh, Andrew, you can kind of notice that, that uh, some of the stuff disappeared there down below when I take that out. The debt per attendee kind of goes away and the loan to value goes away because it can't divide the debt by the number of attendees and it can't divide it um, by the loan, the property value. 
So calculate a loan value, uh, how much your loan outstanding debt is versus the value of the property. And it can't tell you how much each attendee, if you will, how much debt are they responsible to pay back. Um, And uh, that's kind of the next field down, by the way, is the debt per attendee down here. What this is saying is if you have 755 people attending the church and your debt is $5 million, then everybody has to pay back, in essence, $6,622.52 in principle to retire that debt. We generally, if you notice over here, we like ideal is 6,000 or less. That doesn't mean if you were at 7,000, it's bad. Okay, it just means absolutely ideal is 6,000 or less. Um, On average, I would say, what, Doug? We see this number go up to eight, nine. I mean, a lot of things are going to impact it. If you are in a growing uh, church, like look at this church here that we're looking at, they're growing 810, 875, they jump up to 1,000 because they they go into a new phase here. Their debt goes up because they've expanded their building and their tenants jumps. Um, You start to see this debt per attendee goes down. And then it goes back up again, but then it goes back down again. So it's, it gives you an idea of where you're at today. And then your goal, of course, is to see your target of where you're gonna, where you're trying to get to and how you're going to make a plan to get there. Uh, income per attendee is, again, pretty simple. It's just going to take the total income and divide it by the attendees and divide it by 52. So it's going to give you a weekly number. So I, I didn't, we didn't call it weekly income per attendee, but it does say over here, if you look on the very right, uh, it's your average weekly giving divided by the average weekly attendance. And we usually like to see that between 20 and $30. Again, sometimes it goes lower. Sometimes it, it skyrockets. Um, um, and there's, sometimes there's a backstory there. It explains, it'll tell, tell you something about what's going on. There, um, attendance growth. There's no growth in the first year here because there's no 2017 data to compare it to. But from 2018 to 2019, they grew about, what is that, 55 people. That was about 6.79% growth. And then, of course, again, over here in 2021, when they add the new phase, they grow, they, they jump 15% in attendance. So, which is what we would expect if you expand your worship facility and space was a constraint. There might be a pop to, to attendance. Uh, loan of value, again, is just, a, it's the debt divided by whatever the value of the property is. Uh, banks are going to want that to be 80% or less, right? Absolutely. In fact, some of them won't even lend to you if it's above 80%. Um, Solomon's going to look at that and evaluate it and stretch much farther. Um, but ideally, the perspective in the general banking industry is, Ideal is 80% or less. It means you have enough equity in the property that you'd be able to, you'd be able to exit the, the property if you wanted to without taking a loss. Um, you could put it on the market, sell it, pay all the costs to the brokers and the, the buyers, agent, all the sellers, agent, buyers, everybody gets paid, all the costs get covered, and you still have a little bit left over, hopefully, but you don't walk away with nothing. Um, but Doug will say this. I've heard him say it uh, thousands of times. We are a Passable lender, not a collateral lender. We want to know what this number is. If you were asking us, we want to know what it is. Uh, it's not the first number we look at. And then finally, this full-time equivalency number, I'm going to center this for you here. That's that, that full-time equivalent. 
uh, up there, if you divide it by the average weekly attendance. So let's say you had two part-time employees, or in this case, they have four, an equivalency of four. Let's say that's four full-time employees, just to make it easy. Uh, and they have 755 people attending on a weekly basis. Then as a percentage, they have, we would say they have a half a percent. Um, the full-time equivalent to the number of employees. Now that this is based on, I should back up and say this is, the idea behind this is you want to have one full-time employee for every 100 people in attendance. That's kind of the idea behind it. So that's why the the 1% number is, is the number we're looking at. Just think one employee per 100 people, that's 1%, right? One out of 100. In this case, you have four people, 755 people, you're, you're running at a half percent. You have one full-time employee approximately for every, what is that, every 200 people, I guess, is what that would be, um, give or take a little bit, you know, because 800 would be one one person per every uh, 200 people. So it's a little bit low. So if you, strictly from the math, you would say, well, this church is a little understaffed, you know, um, because they could really use another employee to get that closer to the one per 100. They need another employee or two. Um, doesn't mean they are. And uh, it also could be if you're a growing church like these guys are over here, remember in this column, uh, excuse me, this this middle column, 2021, now it looks like they're over 1.16, but they're they're expecting to grow dynamically. So you can see how the number starts to reset back down towards one again. So the idea is it, it doesn't always mean you're overstaffed or understaffed. It's not, a, it's not the gospel. It's just a marker that gives you an idea it hopefully will confirm what you're already feeling, you know, or what you're already thinking is kind of the idea behind it. Kind of give you a, a metric that you can tie it to. Anything you want to add, Doug or Renee, to that? Any of that? No, I think you're spot on, Jim. I think the other thing that um, we could probably just share in a minute or so, Jim, is at Solomon when we underwrite a church, we put more emphasis on the cash flow ratios. Uh, what are what are our weighted uh, averages on those? Uh, give you a moment. I'll pull it up. Wait, I gotta. So, I wanna, so our debt service to income and expense ratio are going to be weighted on the score what three five times no, more. Five times, yeah, about heavily yeah, so, weighted. So those those two are given a weighting of five times more importance than the loan to value. Correct. And the Correct. reason is we want to watch cash flow. Mm-hmm. Correct, because we, like we said, we call ourselves more of a cash flow lender yeah. than a um, than a collateral lender. Um, I don't want to bore everybody, but if you go to a bank, they, they talk about four C's of credit, capacity, capital, collateral, and conditions. Conditions is just a fancy way of saying what your rate and your term is. How fast do you have to pay it back? Because right? that influences your payment. 20-year amortization, the higher payment than a 30-year amortization. Obviously, a higher interest rate, higher payment, because you pay more in interest. But the capacity is how much can you afford, right? What debt payment can you afford each month? Capital is how much money you have in the bank. Now, notice, nowhere on this sheet that we're looking at here, do we ask you what your bank balances are? Now, we do ask you that if we're underwriting you and we want to know some of that information, but we're not rating it. And again, a traditional financial institution is going to rate that because it is part of the overall, the traditional lending model of, of looking at or sees the credit. They've added a fifth one now. They call it character, which is looking at your credit history, if you will, to see how good you are paying your bills back. 
you know, so that's that's another one. But we're focused mainly on the cash flow because we know if you can cash flow the payment, you're going to make it. If you're going to have trouble cash flowing the payment, what needs to happen to make it more, um, what's the word we want to use, uh, easier for you to make that payment, right? What is, is it just changing the terms we're looking at? Is it loaning a little less money? Sometimes you talk about, you hear about phase constructions. You want to do a build out, maybe we phase it so that you, you don't have to take all the, the load of the debt on at once, right? You can grow into it. There's lots of different tools in the tool chest to help you uh, cash flow a payment. And we we are pretty good at emptying the toolbox, looking for every way we can. Um, hey, Jim, uh, there's a question here. Uh, uh, do your FTE numbers include secretaries and admins? And I, our answer is it includes all employees, correct? Yes. Yeah. Any, anybody that's supporting the operations of the church. Um, you don't have to count volunteers, right? Those are paid employees. Yeah. Um, you don't have to count volunteers. Um but these would be full-time equivalent paid employees. So if your bookkeeper's paid, yes, if they're they're a really great saint that's doing it for free, <laughs> you don't have to count them on here. But uh, yes, absolutely. Um, which kind of brings us down to the bottom, the 50-30-10-10 rule. A lot of people have different ways of looking at that. You know, breaking it up, but but this is this is a good way to look at it. 50-30-10-10. Um, um, half the money goes to staffing. Simply put. About a third of it, right? 30% goes to building, which would be the facility expenses, utilities, debt service, all the things that keep your building going and keep the bills paid for the building. Um, programming and then missions. So if you break into that 50, 30, 10, 10, it, it's actually going to build those pie charts. On this sheet, it's based on the final two columns 2022 year end and 2023 year to date. Um, down below, if you notice, just right to it over here, just to the right. Um, it's carrying down some of the information from up here. So like it's carrying down this total income number down here. That's why it's in green. You don't have to fill out the things in green. Um, if you could break out now from your total expenses, notice how it's uh, here, it's 1.8 million in total expenses up here, which it's bringing down here, but it doesn't know how you've broken them out. So if you break it out into how much goes to staffing, building, programming, emissions, it'll calculate the percentages for you. And it'll actually show it to you over here, and it'll start it out for you over on the left. So um, some people are visual, so I built it both ways. Um, there is some pretty hefty formula stuff going on in here, so you just want to be careful, because especially on the projected year, because it has to do some gyrations based on how many months have elapsed in the year and, and, and so forth. But it kind of tells you, again, it's not gospel. Like this doesn't mean that in 2022, they didn't spend enough money on staffing and they spent too much on the building. Um, it's just gives them an idea of where they're at. Um, you know, that when you've, when you've got less money going to debt, for example, if you choose to have more money go to debt because you want that building, you need the building to grow and your staffing level is comfortable the way it is, um, you, you can allocate however much you need out of staffing and onto building or programming. Those, these are going to change throughout the life of a church. Um, some churches don't carry much staff at all, we've seen. Um, and that gives them more money to spend on on building or programming. Um, just a good uh, benchmark, if you will. If you're looking for a way to how we kind of benchmark things, this is kind of where we start. 
any questions on that? Because that's kind of, I know that's a little bit of an abstract concept at first. I would love to ask a question out here and that's gonna be, uh, let me preface my question by saying, this was a, we did a presentation on this and it was a highly requested spreadsheet. Hey, how do you guys do that? What are the ratios? And I know that we do a lot of loans, obviously. Jim does a lot of underwriting of those loans. Um, Doug, do you think you could maybe give us some other examples outside of loans and underwriting on how a church could use this spreadsheet? For example, they could presented to their board as a part of their board package with the uh, understanding of these are general health markers of a church and here's where we sit on them. Um, is there other ways that this could be used outside of underwriting that, that you could think of? Well, I think, I think it's a good chart that you could present uh, to your board uh, or your elder board or your elders every month. I think it's also a great <clears throat> tool uh, for your uh, key staff so that you kind of understand where the benchmarks are. Um, obviously, I share with people all the time, uh, the toughest part about building a building is not building the building, it's moving into it. Uh, in the first six to 12 months, you've got your understaffed, you've got lots of new people, and how do you deal with that? And how do you work through that? And, and so this is a tool that can show you where you're at uh, at any given point. And you also have the ability to, to compare back to previous years. So like in this example that Jim has on here, when I, when I saw that, obviously in 2020 or 2019, this church made the decision to build the next phase and add over $5 million worth of debt. Uh, so if you look at uh, fiscal year 21, the first year they moved in, uh, obviously uh, it was tougher on them. They, they had the ability to, to add staff. They grew their FTEs from uh, 2018 from four to 12. They tripled their staff and yet still maintained good ratios uh, throughout that process that set this church up, in my opinion, to see really good growth in 2022 and 2023. And we used, I, I actually put these numbers in there for Jim, some of them to start. And this is a pretty conservative model because uh, typically we see churches that add a phase or a new building, they, they'll see 50% growth in six to 12 months and a doubling in two years. So this is a conservative uh, analysis that I think uh, churches that are growing dynamically, um, what this chart can do is show them when they need to add staff, uh, when they need to think about the next phase, um, and be able to show their leadership, both staff and uh, elders, guys, we're ready. We're ready for the next step. And here, this, this, these numbers prove it. Uh, so it's just a tool uh, for you to be able to use with your leadership. There is a question in the chat room from Miss Cynthia. Uh, why would we enter our lease payment in debt service and not in expenses? 
if you want to have it separated out as part of a building expense, we put it under lease because it just it goes to debt. Um, the, the, the context of the original question, um, I think from Andy was it was a gift lease back situation. So they wouldn't they wouldn't actually have a property, if you will, a property based debt anymore. Um, it would be an unsecured debt. And we were just giving him an idea of how he could track that by putting it under debt service. Um, lease payments are, are they're not debt service, but in our mind, when we see debt service, um, we're thinking mortgage related debt, not credit card debt, for example. Or, or So if you have interest payments on, you know, your Amex, corporate Amex cards or something, we don't, we wouldn't advise you to put that under the debt service field. That would just be a, a programming expense because you're choosing to use the credit card. That's how we would look at it. Thanks, Jim. Great something. question. Yeah. Good. Yeah, great, we probably should say mortgage annual debt service, put mortgage in there. I'll, maybe I'll have to update that definition. I would love to queue up Dr. West to spend a few time, a few minutes here at the end of our time together, maybe um, giving any comments he may have. But just uh, before we do that, if we have any other questions, uh, I would love for you guys to have the opportunity to ask them now. Or of course, you know how to get a hold of us. And I am happy to put you in contact with Jim. And Jim, maybe I can even get you to put your email in the chat room if you don't mind. Hey, Renee, it looks like uh, Francisco has the hand raised. Francisco, do you have oh. a question for yeah. Jim at all? Or I don't know if that was a, an error on the typo there, but it looks like it might be a yeah, hand raised. He's, he's muted. All right. Oh, Francisco, if you're talking, we can't hear you. <laughs> But please reach out to us with your question. We'd love to answer it. All right. False alarm. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jim, I'm sorry. I missed when this was originally presented. Could you um, kind of share, were you encouraging churches to go clear back to 2018, fill in all their information? And uh, what, what would, other than just kind of tracking everything, what would be the benefits of doing that? Um, you don't have to. Um, you don't have to. Uh, the, of course, the only one that's being displayed like in a pie chart are the last two years uh, here. Um, and by the way, you can update these too if you wanted to. If you type in this field, it'll update this one and all the ones down below. It'll, you, know, so you, could keep, you could keep updating it. But um, the benefit of doing it, if you wanted to go back and do it, is you can kind of get an idea. You've lived through the past, so you kind of know how you felt about it and your perspective. It might give you an idea of what the numbers actually were. If you have your personal, right, your, the way you uh, experience the world at that point, this will show you what that looks like in metrics. So it's kind of yeah, good. Yeah, I think when I originally kind of put the, the skeleton together on this, Don, I kind of felt like 18 and 19 would give you your pre-COVID look, uh, 2021 would give you your COVID look, 2022 and 2023, your post-COVID look so that you can kind of also see on, on a flow chart here, on a spreadsheet, the effects of COVID on your church. Great, good question. Thanks for being willing to ask it.
All right, Dr. West, I know you have some input here and some comments on church and finance and spreadsheet and ratios and all the great things. And, I, and you're muted. Yes, Sorry. yes, I realized <laughs> that after I started talking. Uh, just from a, a counseling perspective, um, part of the, uh, the intake that I, I have when a pastor comes on my roster is, uh, you know, just how they're doing, how their financial world is doing. And, um, and often, you know, when the finances are not doing, doing well, that really impacts a pastor, um, adds to their stress levels. I, I don't know how ministry training is like uh, today, um, but I remember when I was training to be a pastor, none of this was ever taught. And I'm really, really grateful for Doug and, and Renee and every, every, the whole team, Jim, the whole team at the Solomon Foundation, because you're, you're actually um, you're helping pastors who are trained in theology and uh, biblical studies and pastoring to wrap their heads around uh, the economic the economics of doing ministry, and uh, so I, on behalf of the pastors, thank you so much uh, to the Solomon Foundation for for doing uh, what you're doing. Um, you're not only providing loans, but you're giving us a a financial education in in how to have the church finances appropriately balanced. So um, I do have a question, uh, Doug or Jim, um, either of you. Uh, when, when pastors start to get nervous about their church's current financial position or their trajectory, obviously the first person we go to is the Lord and to, to seek um, to, to let him know we're panicking a little bit. Uh, who, who should we going, who should we go to next? Who, as pastors, when they're just getting nervous about the financial uh, position of the church, what should be the next steps? Well, I think, uh, first of all, on the spreadsheet, uh, the great thing about this spreadsheet is it takes a lot off of you, off the pressure off you as the pastor, the executive pastor, because you can actually show data. Uh, you can show trends so that if you've got a rogue elder that's uh, kind of going down the wrong path. You can have actual data that supports your position one way or the other. Um, uh, I, think, I think the key thing, if you're a Solomon client and at any time, Solomon partner, any time you feel any pressure, uh, your first reach out is to our regional team. Um, and then obviously uh, that flows back into the executive team at the Solomon Foundation uh, so that we can get involved in any anything that we need to. Uh, but our regional vice presidents, and I know a couple of them are on the phone here or on the call with us, uh, they're, they're a great source for you. Uh, they're, they're people that can point you in the right directions when things get kind of tight, uh, not just financially, but maybe leadership-wise, uh, so that we can bring in other resources to help you. Uh, but our regional team is, is the first place to go, in my opinion. They're all, they've all been in your shoes. Mm -hmm. They've all experienced everything you've experienced, trust me. Uh, and to use that expertise and their wisdom is, is a good place to go. 
I see Doug Fultz from the Southeast on, on the call. I believe I heard Gary's voice on the call here uh, somewhere on the call. Um, Ken Eidelman's on the call. Uh, these are all great resources for all of the Solomon customers and partners to be able to get good advice from. Mm -hmm. uh, Doug, appreciate that. I, I, um, just reflecting back on what you said, I, I think um, what I'm hearing is if you find yourself in a financial situation that is uh, starting to cause you to lose sleep, there's no shame in that. I mean, churches are very dynamic and, um, and, and, and dynamic shifts do happen. So there's no shame in it. Uh, every ministry leader out there, we want you to know that uh, that doesn't mean, you know, if you're having financial challenges, doesn't mean that you're a bad leader and that God is not using you. Now, certainly the evil one loves to leverage the finances of a church to start to cause you to lose confidence. And so um, I'm here, uh, the Solomon Foundation, the field regional uh, uh, team, they're here for all of us. Because mm -hmm. uh, the because the the thing the evil one wants us to do wants to do is to use whatever stressor to just get his foot in the door, mm -hmm. and and then start to erode your confidence as a leader, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's the last thing that uh, we want uh, to happen in your life. So I'm just so grateful that uh, for all you leaders who show up, you know some of you are on the call today, and. Uh, and your church is doing great financially. You've you've never been in better shape. Uh, there are other leaders who are on the call today, and uh, you wish you could be in that in that financial condition. But it's really uh, you feel more stressed than blessed at the moment. Um, we just want you to know you're not alone. Mm -hmm. the, the evil one will will want to get in there and use use the finances um, to to amplify your stress. Mm -hmm. And he'll also, he'll, he'll want to leverage the shame factor in it. That, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and the, the, the very difficult thing about when we start to feel shame is that the natural reaction to that is to isolate ourselves, to just kind of retreat. Um, and we want you to know that that's, that's that's the very opposite that you need to do. You need to mm -hmm. uh, um, draw closer, mm -hmm. um, reduce the distance between you and the regional officers, reduce the distance between you and and me. I'm out here uh, as a resource to you. Uh, Doug and Renee have a phenomenal team at the Solomon Foundation. There will be <laughs> we we are here. We are here to to help you. Uh, regain confidence, and uh, there's a wealth of wisdom. I mean, every time I have a have a conversation with Ken Eidelman in in the you know as we're traveling somewhere, it's just like I I just want to have a notebook with me. He's just so full of of great experience and great encouragement. So uh, this is a just a tremendous resource, uh, Jim. Thank you for your contribution uh, today. Uh, I know it's tough, you know, because because you know numbers numbers just 
are your thing and you 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 love them and spreadsheets there are some pastors on the call here that as soon as they see a spreadsheet you know their eyes start to glaze over um that's that's okay we need guys like you jim um and to help demystify the spreadsheet for us and you've done a great job doing that today so everybody thank you for showing up adam mm -hmm. thank you for the role that you play in uh in making these uh these solomon foundation leader weekly leadership calls just mm -hmm. uh so valuable mm -hmm. um and thank you ministry leaders for just you know showing up whether you feel like you need to or not you just have made that commitment that you're going to show up to support your brothers and sisters in leadership. So God bless all of you. I'm uh, Renee, unless you've got somebody else pegged to pray, I would love to pray for all, all the leaders. All right. So father God, thank you so much that we get to use the quality hours of our day to think about your kingdom, to think about the people that are living so desperately without you in our communities. Lord God, I thank you for every ministry leader that has stayed the course. They're on the field. They're running the ball. And even though some of them may be injured, God, we just thank you that you are sustaining them. Thank you, Father, that you're continuing to build the Solomon Foundation and uh, so that uh, more resources can be poured into the work of your kingdom. Uh, Father, we pray for any particular pastor um, ministry leader who's on the call, who's going through a really tough time at the moment. We don't know about it, but we just want to lift them up before you and ask that uh, you uh, renew their strength and know that uh, you are very near the brokenhearted. So for any, uh, any pastors that are on the call today that are experiencing real hardship, whose spirits are crushed, God, we know from your word that you are very near to them right now. And we, uh, we just pray for them. And so as we head out into the rest of our week, and uh, Lord, we just ask that you would continue to give us wisdom and strength and energy to do that which you've called us to. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.